Hey everyone, Kendall here. I want to share a quick disclaimer before you listen to the following episode. Over the next four weeks, Kitchen Meditations will be covering the topic of diet culture. This is a highly fraught conversation and one that is deeply personal to many of us. As such, it is a conversation that I approach with great nuance and care. I want to make sure to start by clarifying that I am not a therapist nor a nutritionist, a doctor nor an allergy specialist, and I don't pretend to have their expertise on these matters. My own expertise is in studying food on a theoretical level. The ways our relationship to eating forms and shapes us as human beings. Now, I firmly believe that this particular focus of mine lends unique insight that is valuable in conversation with these other specialized fields. But please do not use these meditations as a substitute for guidance from health experts. Rather, allow these meditations to shape your understanding of how you relate to food and why it is that foods impact on your physical, mental, and spiritual health can be so profound. Happy New Year, dear ones, and a happy Christmas, too. How are you feeling as we enter January? Are you praying that this is the year you get your life in order? Or are you crawling slowly in just hoping you can find a bit of rest somewhere along the way? When you think of the new year, do you feel a sense of opportunity? or a sense of shame. That shame and how to combat it is what I want us to talk about today. You might be surprised by the antidote. Welcome to Kitchen Meditations a weekly podcast from Edible Theology, where we examine the ways God meets us in the kitchen and at the table. I'm your host, Kendall Vanderslice. If you're hungry for a taste of God's hope and healing in the mundane tasks of your everyday life, then you've come to the right place. May these meditations bring you a bit of grounding as you prepare to eat today and every day. Let's get started with a little spiritual mise en place, a prayer to orient ourselves before we begin. In the professional kitchen, mise en place is the process of preparing your workspace for the dishes you're about to make. It involves measuring your ingredients and reading your recipe all the way through so that you can find delight in the process of cooking rather than frustration or shame. I like to think of it as a time to prepare my own mind and body as well, asking God to be present with me as I cook or as I bake. 
Our spiritual mise-en-place today is drawn from the service for New Year's Eve in the Episcopal Book of Occasional Services. Slow your breathing, and now as you breathe, repeat with me. Inhale. Let the radiance of your spirit, and as you exhale, renew our lives. I'm sure that you, like me, have been bombarded lately with advertisements about how to make this year your best one yet. New planners that promise to help you organize your time like never before. New journals to help you reflect back on the year past and set intentions for the year ahead. New diet plans and workout regimens to help you strive for the body you wish you had. While I'm not necessarily one to set New Year's resolutions, I do like to spend time reflecting and intention setting. For me though, this takes place over the entire month of December. At the start of Advent, the church celebrates a new liturgical year. My birthday falls in mid-December, which always invokes a fair bit of reflection as well. So by the time New Year's rolls around, I feel ready to step gently into what's to come, rather than taking the sudden shift from Christmas into something new. I like to think that these rhythms help me avoid the lure of those New Year, New You type mantras, teaching me to be content with my body as it is, rather than striving for what it can never be. The truth is, though, it's still hard. I've spent most of my adult life learning to live at peace with my body and in relationship to food. But the offer of an annual reset still starts to sound pretty appealing around this time of year. I know I'm not alone in having a complicated relationship to both my body and to food. It's true that both food and our bodies are good and delightful gifts from God. It's hard, though, to navigate how best to eat in a manner that celebrates these gifts through both the enjoyment of food and the care of our bodies and of God's creation. You've heard me say before that there is no singular dietary plan that can heal our bodies and save the world. But we do have a valuable resource passed down through the traditions of the church, and it's a resource that challenges the New Year's dieting narratives. That resource is the rhythm of fasting and feasting built into the Christian calendar. At first glance, fasting and feasting might not sound all that different from the rhythm prescribed by diet culture. Enjoy your holiday gluttony, but come January, the time for penance will arrive. But the rhythm of the church calendar actually flips this script. Fasting is not penance, but a temporary abstinence that allows us to draw near to God and to deeply appreciate God's work in this world. The fasting comes first and leads us into a season of celebration. 
Episcopal priest slash food writer Robert Farrar Capon explains that fasting delivers us from the hopelessness of mere gourmandise. It defends us against mindless and perpetual consumption. He writes, Let a man fast in earnest, and it will give him back his feasts. It's easy to focus on fasting alone. Viewing abstinence from certain foods as the ultimate spiritual good. But this approach is incomplete. It uses fasting as a cover for just another diet. In correcting the course, though, it's easy to focus on feasting alone instead. When we only focus on consumption as a method of celebrating God's creation, we never stop to recognize both the sacrifice and the gift inherent to every meal we eat. The rhythms of fasting and feasting, together, shape us in gratitude and humility. It teaches us to celebrate God's gifts through the enjoyment of food and through care for our bodies and care for creation. The specifics of what this looks like in our daily lives both in our seasons of fasting, our seasons of feasting, and all of the ordinary seasons in between, will be different for each of us. The ways we care for our bodies and care for creation will vary based on our phase of life, our geographical location, our financial means, even our taste of what is good. The aim is that we recognize our bodies and the act of eating as delightful gifts from God. The rhythm of diet culture inspires shame on both ends. It treats December delight as a problem that must be atoned for through a January diet. It prevents us from recognizing the goodness of God's creation. The rhythm of fasting and feasting, on the other hand, encourages us to draw near to God through fasting so that we can delight more fully in God's gifts through feasting. The end goal is deeper enjoyment as an act of worship, not shame. According to the church calendar, we are currently in a season of feasting. Advent, a penitential season or a season of fasting, ended on Christmas Eve. The 12 days of Christmas began on December 25th, and they continue until the Feast of Epiphany on January 6th. While the diet culture around us is encouraging us to give up sweets and hit the gym, to strive for a new year and a new potential you, our church rhythm is telling us to continue celebrating Christ's coming. Our new year began six weeks ago, when we sat in the awareness of the brokenness of the world and turned our hearts towards God's presence and promise to heal. Now, we celebrate Christ's coming through a days-long feast. This year, let's consider how to reclaim the rhythm of fast and feast, and in turn, reclaim our ability to delight and to find joy. How different would your year be if you approached it with such a mentality? 
if you allowed both your fasting and your feasting to guide you into relationship with God. Let the radiance of your Holy Spirit renew our lives. We'll get to our kitchen tip in just a moment, but I want to take a quick break to tell you more about Edible Theology. Edible Theology is an educational media project helping you connect the communion table to the kitchen table. We offer Bible studies, bread baking workshops, and a digital community to help you meet God through food. If you are a pastor or church leader looking to build fasting and feasting into the rhythms of your congregation, then you'll love our Worship at the Table program. This digital course will help you identify the hungers and gifts of your church so that you can design worshipful meals that address the community's needs. Drawing from church history, theology, and anthropology of food, each lesson builds the case for why meals ought to be a central part of your congregational life. You'll also hear directly from pastors who've modeled their entire church around the table, leading dinner churches, as their communities have come to be called. Is your community still practicing virtual or hybrid services right now? Our gathering at the Virtual Table Supplement will help you build creative community for those who cannot be there in person as well. Our kitchen tip today is for those who want to celebrate the full feast of Christmastide, a really helpful antidote to the dieting narratives that you are sure to hear this week. It's a pretty simple tip, really. Keep playing Christmas songs as you cook and as you bake. Belt out the words to your favorite hymns. Hark the herald angels sing, joy to the world, angels we have heard on high. Remember, this is a season of celebration. On the last night of Christmas, January 5th, it's traditional to serve a king cake in preparation for the Feast of Epiphany a feast celebrating the Magi's arrival to Jesus. Some king cakes are made with a brioche base and a cream cheese filling, and some are made using puff pastry and an almond filling called frangipan. I'm partial to the latter. If you've had enough of holiday baking by now, just purchase a king cake from your local bakery. If you'd like to try homemade but are a touch intimidated, then try using store-bought puff pastry with a homemade frangipan. And if you want to celebrate with a full day in the kitchen, then try making everything from scratch. It'll give you plenty of time to sing through all those Christmas hymns once more. I'll link a recipe for king cake in the show notes. This simple treat will remind you that celebration is good, even when the commercials for gyms and diets try to inflict us with shame. And now to close, a prayer for a Christmas feast. Incarnate God, you came to earth as a baby, suckling at your mother's breast. You smiled with milk-drunk eyes and smacked your lips in joy. As we celebrate your coming and the promise that you'll come again, may we feast with such innocent pleasure. 
May we delight in the gifts of your creation and in gratitude learn to care for them well. You are the God who finds joy in our celebration. Amen. Kitchen Meditations is brought to you by Edible Theology, where the communion table meets the dinner table. Learn more and sign up for our weekly newsletter at edibletheology.com. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at Edible Theology. If you want to discuss this episode with other food-loving folks, then join our free community at community.edibletheology.com. We post discussion questions every Monday to keep the conversation going. A huge thank you to my assistant, Hannah Hargraves, and to our producers, Nick Thompson and Richard Clark at Area Code, who made this podcast possible. We would love it if you could rate and review us on iTunes and Spotify, then share this episode with your friends. Your help ensures that others discover this podcast too.